Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The North American farmer is the most advanced farmer this world has ever seen. We just simply produce more than this country can consume. And the and, and once the consumer says, I'm full, then the options are, once the paying consumer says, I'm full, I can take no more, then the options are, okay, what do we need to do? And so that's where the hunger fighting charity world is a great uh, outlet for that produce. That was Mike Meyer from the FarmLink Project, an organization focused on connecting farmers with food banks to help feed families in need. And this is the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. Food waste is a huge issue around the world. The problem isn't that we aren't producing enough food. The real problem is distribution. In today's episode, I'll be chatting with Mike Meyer, the head of farmer advocacy at the FarmLink Project. Mike will walk us through exactly how FarmLink works with farmers to deliver food to food banks around the country and the many reasons why farmers might have millions of pounds of produce with nowhere to go. We'll also talk about the logistical challenges of donating food, how they've worked with numerous farmers, including a past guest of this very podcast, and why this issue of food waste exists in the first place. If you're a farmer that would like to work with FarmLink or a consumer that would like to assist, Check out the links below in the description for all things FarmLink and to learn more about this amazing organization. I, I think I first saw you guys because y'all had partnered with a couple of influencers online. I think Max the Meat Guy and another one, and I just saw them in a FarmLink sweater and I was like, hold up, what is what is FarmLink? And so I looked it up and it looks like you guys do a lot with food waste is that correct that's correct we uh we do a, we do a lot with food rescue and then and using that rescued food 
uh, to fight hunger. And, um, and, and obviously it's uh, not headed to landfills, uh, if you will. We catch it long before it's at that stage um, and, and uh, heal this planet. So I like that term food rescue, you know, instead of like food waste. So what is there an idea behind that term food rescue? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, okay, so FarmLink was founded right in the earliest days of the pandemic by a group of uh, young people uh, in college and universities and, and, uh, and incredibly bright and passionate young people. And so um, they have a number of slogans that we use. And, and I have admired uh, these young people at FarmLink since the earliest days and and we'll get into that in, in a minute and how I did that. But uh, okay, so it's like uh, food search and rescue mm, is one, okay. one of the phrases. And then another one is, um, you know, serving farmers and saving families. And so the, the young folks just came up with those uh, uh, slogans to, to help with their brand and to get the message out very quickly. I like that. So what was, I mean, well, first off, let's, let's kind of talk about how you got involved with them. So you said FarmLink started around, um, around the pandemic. So what were you doing before that? And then how did you get started with them? Okay. So, so, so they, right. <laughs> You're always like, <laughs> I'd like to meet somebody named they someday. Right. Okay. But folks that know me describe me as big ag and big charity. Okay. To answer your question more specifically. When I first met FarmLink, I was with the Feeding America Network, mm, and okay. I was uh, the general manager of the member-led regional uh, uh, cooperative called the Collaborative for Fresh Produce down here in Texas, which had 21 Texas Food Bank members, and it still does. And it's an independent charity that serves Feeding America member food banks. Uh, but prior to that, I had been the regional fresh produce sourcer in Idaho for Feeding America. I was a Feeding America employee. Mm. And then I was with the Feeding America member Feeding the Northwest. So I had Idaho, Washington, and Oregon, and I collaborated with all of my teammates of that charity, and they're still my friends today. So uh, one of the early uh, big support, okay, so the pandemic hit, right? And the food system basically shut down in terms of business travel, schools, uh, restaurants, you know, where most of the food <laughs> is consumed in this country. And so all of these large, uh, all of these food uh, growers and shippers who really uh, focused on the food service market uh, basically had no customer. Mm, and okay. one of the early uh, donors to the FarmLink uh, network is a gentleman named Shea Myers, uh, an onion uh, guy in Idaho. And, um, um, and somehow the FarmLink uh, young people heard my name as they were uh, rescuing produce in Idaho. And uh, James Kanoff reached out to me and introduced himself. And he said, what do you think? And I said, I think it's fantastic. I said, I think we need everybody we can get in this fight and uh, have at it. And y'all let me know however I can help. And I may have been one of the few friendly voices 
to the young people at FarmLink from big the big charity world. Mm, okay. Um, and, and Shay Myers, he is a, he's a past guest that we've had on. And that's something that, um, I think I had him on like a year or two ago. Um, and we talked a lot about food waste and some, some of the stuff he's doing. So that's awesome that you guys got involved with him, like very, very early on small world. Right. And he may have been either their first or second donor, but it is a small world, Trevor. I, I tell folks that if you can't, if you can't find somebody, in the agricultural industry within one or two degrees of separation, they're not in it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. I like that. So um, like, let's get into the nitty gritty. I mean, I know during the pandemic, of course, like you mentioned it before, restaurants were shutting down, grocery stores were shutting down. And so you've got all this food that has nowhere to go. And I know a lot of people were thinking like, hey, why don't they just automatically send all that produce to a food bank or something like that? But there's a lot of hurdles that go along the line. So why is it so difficult for farmers to ship their food um, to food banks or to somewhere that's different than where it was originally intended for? Oh, excellent, excellent question. Um, All right. So let's let's just think about, so first and foremost, food banks are wonderful members of of their community, right? And I'm, I'm not here to say anything bad about any food bank. They're they're run by angels and they're terrific, right? But what we have to recognize first and foremost is they have incredibly limited resources. You know, people talk about how I am big ag. Well, when I graduated from Texas A&M, I was hired by Lamb Weston, which is now the nation's largest uh, frozen uh, French fry. And at one time was a subsidiary of ConAgra and then was spun off. And so, uh, you know, so Lamb Weston and ConAgra, that would be called big ag. And I remind folks that, um, uh, you know, food banks have incredibly limited resources. You know, we are not uh, ADM and ConAgra and Exxon that have capitalist systems. We give everything away (laughs) and we rely on donations to operate, you know, pay salaries, pay the light bills, pay the electricity bills while we're running those freezers and those refrigeration systems to hold this food for those that we serve. Okay. Mm. So, you know, the food banks have to be incredibly tidy with their money and a food bank has to, and a food bank can never find itself in a situation where it's committed to hire a truck or to buy food uh, from some entity. And then all of a sudden come up short, right? Like, oops, we don't have the money to pay you. Right. Mm-hmm. It just cannot happen in, in the in the charity world. So, OK, so that is first and foremost, we need to recognize that food banks and hunger fighting charities are wonderful members of the community, uh, incredibly valuable assets to their community, but have incredibly limited resources. So now let's pretend that I'm a potato farmer in Idaho because I once was. All right. And I've got a I've got a truckload of potatoes that are unwashed and in bulk. And I'm like, shoot, I have no place to send these potatoes. So I call my local food bank or hunger fighting charity. And I say, would you like to have 60,000 pounds of unwashed potatoes that are not packaged? And that local hunger fighting charity says, man, that's fantastic. But how would you unload them? 
Uh, well, I could drive them to you in a truck and I could unload them. And I'm like, and so, so see, now we start getting into the real stuff. I was like, well, you can't unload them into my parking lot. We got food safety issues, right? And this is potatoes. This is an item that doesn't have to be refrigerated, right? You know, we can, we can beat the tar out of potatoes <laughs> and they can, <laughs> yeah, they're they can totally fine. <laughs> a, right. And they can still be a good, very healthy consumable item. Right. But we have to think about, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, we can't unload them into their parking lot. Uh, because that would be a food safety issue. Um, you know, think about 60,000 pounds of potatoes being unloaded right now in the blazing sun somewhere in the United States. And think about, well, how many people could we reasonably get out there uh, to handle this stack of potatoes and get them into some sort of container that we could hand out to a family? And remember, the other thing we want to do is we don't want to take a food item uh, but FarmLink has got a solution to this, but let's just talk about what it is, right? So, yeah. so, but to answer your question, so that's kind of basically the challenges of getting a produce item off of a farm into the hunger-fighting charity world. Now, clearly, if we're talking about apples and they're in bins, that makes it a whole lot easier, right? Or if we're talking about melons and they're in bins, that makes it a whole lot easier, right? That's just something we can hand right out or cabbage, right? Or even onions and bins, we can hand that right out, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, correct. But but the crops that we don't put in bins, which would be like potatoes, carrots, uh, right off the top of my head, it gets a little more challenging. And then if we go back to our onion friends, it's like, well, they're not putting onions in bins that they're willing to ship across the country and never see those bins again. And neither are the Apple guys. You know, those bins may cost those entities $200 to $400 each. Mm. And they don't want to send 50 bins across the country and never see those bins again. Right? So those are just some of the logistics challenges. But FarmLink early on recognized that it actually is a logistics challenge. And how do we solve that logistics challenge? So FarmLink says, FarmLink's approach is, we're going to work with all hunger fighting charities. Mm, okay. We're not just we're not just going to stay in our arena. We're not just going to stay in the arena that is our state association, or our regional association, or our national affiliation. We're going to reach everybody. We're also going to advocate and raise money to to cause the delivery of that donated food to that hunger fighting charity at no cost to that hunger fighting charity. Mm-hmm. So now that hunger fighting charity, instead of paying, uh, you know, on average three cents a pound, uh, you know, or uh, $1,200 a load to get food, 40,000 pounds is a load to get that food into that hunger fighting charity. Now all of a sudden that hunger fighting charity says, wait a minute, FarmLink is going to cause the delivery of that to me for free. That money that I would have spent on transportation, I can now redeploy and and address receiving these bulk products and moving them out in a very timely manner to those we serve. Because the other thing we know about produce, it isn't getting any better once we take it out of the ground or pick it off the tree. Right. It is, that, it is got, that's a very interesting point. Yeah, true. And we call that the shelf life puzzle. 
Mm. So, uh, you know, when we're rescuing this produce, we might say, okay, well, the shelf life on this produce is five days. Uh, okay, what are the local hunger fighting charities that we have nearby us? Do we need to make multiple drops? Because we know this charity can take 8,000 pounds and this charity can take uh, you know, 10,000 pounds, but goodness gracious, we've got one pallet left. That's a little bit of a bad example. Let me say it this way. Let me just say that we've got uh, 20 pallets on a truck. Every pallet weighs 2,000 pounds, and we've got two hunger-fighting charities that can each take 10 pallets. Well, we can do that, and we can be the connector where those two charities, they may not ever talk to each other. Mm, and so okay. now we've moved that 40,000 pounds and we've caused 20,000 pounds to be dropped off here to be distributed timely and 20,000 pounds to be dropped off over there and to be distributed timely. And that's the model that FarmLink has put together. And those are things that would not occur if you look at big charity and you look at where the food banks are positioned, each one of them has a set geographical or steward or service area. Where, where it's like, okay, well, that food bank is basically going to take everything in that service area. That food bank may or may not share with another food bank in another area. Well, now we have state associations to address that. Okay, well, uh, then we get back to resources, right? Does those, do those food banks have the money to move that food between one food bank and another? And in some instances, the case is yes. And then do they have the storage? Do they have the ability to get it out? Before it, before it becomes waste at the food bank. Because if it comes waste at the food bank, they've got to do the same thing everybody else would do. Do I have an animal feeder somewhere? Do I have a composter somewhere? And goodness sakes, don't tell me I'm getting ready to send it to the landfill, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's very true. And, you know, it's like, okay, so I hope I'm answering your question. Uh, but but uh, but it's, but it's but it's a it's a long answer because it really gets into the weeds of, of uh, hunger fighting charities. And yeah, no, that's reason, all, that's all perfect. Okay, go ahead. Trevor, here's another thing. There are a lot of food companies out there that just need to donate two, three, and four pallets. And, and, you know, it's odds and ends, right? And they're like, oh shoot, well, I call my local food bank and they're like, well, I'll have a truck in your area next week. How many pallets am I picking up? Well, I'm picking up somewhere between two and four. It's like, oh, my gosh. Well, I'm already going to a stop that's going to put on 14. And I've got another stop that can put on six. I just don't have room for your two or three. And see, they're building, the, the food banks have built their food rescue operations to kind of maximize filling up their truck with the least amount of miles, right? Which mm -hmm. is fantastic. So they may go to a produce market, pick up everything. Okay, well, that, and these can be giant companies that have relatively small uh, donations. And they can, and that company can call Food Link and say, no problem. We know an agency over there. How many pallets have you got? Two or three. You don't have a problem with them making two pickups with you with a pickup truck and a small little flatbed, do you? Or a little flat trailer. Like, no, no, we'll take it. No issue with refrigeration or freezing. No, no, this stuff will be fine. I actually know where that church is. They're only 30 minutes away. It's fantastic that you're calling them. And so we'll set up all of that for them. Here's your loading appointment. Here's your confirmations. Here's your produce donations. Here's your... Here's here's what improvement. Here's what you've had in terms of reductions of greenhouse gases, and we'll mm, put all okay. of that together for them. Okay, so now this massive food company 
that might also be thinking, gosh, I've got this whole sustainability initiative. Who can I talk to out there that can put the whole nine yards together for me? That no matter where I am in the United States, can move any level of donation from several truckloads to, a, to several cases and can tie it all together for me with the donation certificate and how many greenhouse gases we just avoided. Hmm. So it looks like, I mean, this sounds phenomenal. And just listen to you talk about it. It's really cool that you're super duper passionate about it. Um, it looks like instead of like sporadic donations, which looks like that's what was done in the past, this is kind of taking in simplistic terms, like a very distribution model centric vision towards donations. Like instead of just doing it sporadically, it's like very intentionally scheduling it out, seeing where you can ship the donations, where it's as efficient as possible. And it's like reducing the amount of um, the amount of stuff that's being wasted. So this is very, it's, I mean, it's basically donations, but done very intentional, you know? Oh, exactly. So, and and I love this. It's like, now let's start peeling that onion, right? (laughs) And we can say a few things. What can we say, Trevor, to, uh, our whole industry, we still work opportunistic as can be, right? We move, mm-hmm. we, we've, we've moved. I don't, I don't ever, I always say I never want to lie to my friends, right? And if the apple only weighs six ounces, tell them it weighs six ounces. We're happy to get a donated six ounce apple, right? Don't tell them it weighs eight ounces, right? You tell somebody an apple weighs eight ounces and they weigh it and it only weighs seven, they're disappointed in you. But if you say, hey, I got a donated apple and it weighs six ounces, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing a little bit, but it's like, you know, we don't need to overstate. But So I'm going to look here real quick. So today we have moved uh, a load of produce out of Washington, uh, three, three loads in California, another load in Washington, uh, two more loads, uh, three more loads, uh, four more loads, five and five more loads out of California. Now, one of these loads is tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now, Trevor, I'm I'm going to give you I'm going to give you this prediction for the rest of your life. <laughs> Perfect. Go for it. <laughs> when Florida is harvesting their tomatoes and California is harvesting their tomatoes, there are going to be excess tomatoes at these cold storages on the borders of the United States. They're going to okay. be here. Perfectly legit, the whole nine yards, right? Okay. Right. And, and and more tomatoes are coming because we eat tomatoes in this country like we should eat them. And I think the tomato growers wish we would eat more, right? Okay. <laughs> now, but there's always going to be a few loads. And like I say, today, one is this. Okay. Now, these sales, when these tomatoes first arrived uh, in the cold storage or, or, or wherever they may be, or the growers warehouse in California, Florida, they were perfect. Right. And they had a substantial shelf life and they would go through the food pipeline. No problem. And everybody would consume them and be crazy happy about the quality. And let's imagine that you and I were on the sales desk because I was on the sales desk of the fresh potato industry for a number of decades. So here we are. We're the salesperson and we're charged with selling these tomatoes. And what's interesting is that we're not just selling tomatoes. We're selling the certain size tomato at a certain price to a certain group of customers in a certain package, right? Mm, okay. And that cus- that customer, that group of customers may just say, Trevor and Mike, I can't take another tomato. I still got, <laughs> I still got uh, the two truckloads you shipped me four days ago. I still got a truckload of half. I'm afraid the boss is going to beat me. If I, I'm joking a little bit, but you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's the produce industry, right? And I'm kidding a little bit. No boss beats or boy. Okay, in the produce industry, but we're laughing on that. So anyway, 
and we're like, oh my gosh, Mike, you're like, Trevor, Trevor's saying to me, you're saying to me, Mike, we got to get rid of this stuff. I'm saying, Trevor, we got to get rid of this stuff. And now all of a sudden we've been trying and trying and trying and our boss is breathing down our neck and we're like, we can't move it boss. And he's like, well, just discount it and sell it. And like, well, if we do that, the next thing we know, the entire tomato market will ratchet down in cost. We mm. sell one load and discount it hard. The next thing you know, the, the hundred loads of tomatoes that sell tomorrow in the United States will all be at a discount because of the one load we sold today. Right. And so it's better for the shipper to say, OK, we've done everything we can. Give it to the food bank and let's take the tax donation. They call the local food bank. But now let's just say they call Farmland. And we're like, OK, we can move it. How many days are left? Five days. Right. And so we will find the local hunger fighting charities that we can split that load up and move it because we're racing against time because mm -hmm. we want that client to get that tomato tomorrow. So that client can enjoy four days with that tomato at home. We don't want the client to have to throw it away. Right. And so we, and, and so that's, that's the other thing that we focus on. And so the best run food banks in the United States still may take three days to get the produce donation through the door. So that, and that, if, that, and that if the client needs three or four days, that means that the food bank network, everything has to have at least a week worth of shelf life on it. And uh, but uh, because it might go into the system for uh, three days before it mm -hmm. gets distributed. Now, that's not a knock against the food banks. They are terrific. They're doing a wonderful job of fighting hunger. Right. We just we're just like, OK, we're going to parse this up and we're going to move this a little differently. And we will. Uh, but we offer the tomatoes to the food banks every single day and we'll say, hey, this one is perfect for you. Take this one. And, and we might be like, ah, we're not so sure about this one, but we're letting <laughs> you know about it because we don't want you to, because you might say, no, no, I've got a distribution tomorrow, Mike, it'll work perfect. Right. So we still communicate. We don't ever not communicate because we think they may not use it because we're, we're not exactly sure what their distribution plans are. But if the food bank's like, no, I got a pass or something a little wrong with it, like, it's okay. We're going to move it into the, a different hunger fighting charity network and we're going to do it just fine. And, and we get notes back every day. It's like, thank you for considering us. Hope you'll keep us in your mind uh, every single day, Trevor. Uh, uh, we get emails like that. And, uh, and we're like, sure, of course we will. We'll have more donations and we'll reach back out to you. Okay. I hope that helped. Did that help? No, that did. Absolutely. That's, that, that's crazy. And I mean, so what would you say are some of the leading causes as to why there's so much produce that, you know, doesn't really have anywhere to go? I mean, well, yeah. I know that during COVID, it was because, you know, restaurants and everything were closing down. But why does that problem kind of persist as we're, quote unquote, yeah. out of the pandemic? <laughs> right. Because it existed before it existed before the pandemic. Right. You know, yeah, OK, yeah. so, uh, you know, so here's, you know, I, uh, I farm and ranch down here in Texas. Right. And, and, and my, my dad and, and my dad is an 84 year old cowboy and, and we, we, we laugh all the time and uh, it's easy to laugh, right? When you're riding along and, and, you know, and you're singing your song, right? But, but we're just like, you know, the American farmer, now this is the Canadian farmer, uh, the North American farmer mm -hmm. is, and rancher is the most sophisticated food producer this world has ever seen. Mm. OK, and we can do things we to within a certain extent, we can take on Mother Nature because she's tough. 
She's a tough creature. <laughs> and we can take on Mother Nature and we can produce food. Now, Mother Nature will flood us out, and, you know, and she'll hurricane us away and she'll tornado us up. She'll freeze us out. She'll do everything she can. But it's a ridiculously resilient bunch. And we produce over 100 billion pounds of produce in this country that just simply is not eaten by humans. Mm. And 40% of it occurs at the home level. So let's just, we know it's over 100 billion, but I call it cowboy math. So let's just stick <laughs> with 100 billion. You know why you call it cowboy math? Why is we, that? We call, it, we call it cowboy math, Trevor, because it's so easy. You can do it from the back of a horse. So <laughs> I like let's that. Okay. Just okay. Say, let's just say we know we've got over 100 billion pounds of produce that is wasted uh, in this country each year uh, because everybody tells us that, right? There's any number of of reputable uh, <laughs> uh, measures, you know, from universities to charities that, that tell us that, right? Okay, to the government. Right. Okay. Let's take 40 billion off the table because we know that occurs at the home. But we have 60 billion in this pipeline that's between the farms and the restaurants, if you will. Okay. And now the farms, if, if, if I walked up to a farmer and I've done this with folks and I've done this with my farmer friends in Idaho, where I've taken a food banker out there and I've said, Mr. Farmer, how much waste do you have at your farm? And he looks at me like I insulted him because <laughs> a farmer knows exact. Now, this is not pandemic that I'm talking mm -hmm. about. This is not where we've got buildings full of onions and apples and potatoes and cabbage and carrots, right? And eggs and milk and whatever. And there is just no market because we just closed down the schools and the restaurants. Okay. This right. is normal times. And the farmer says, well, I don't have any waste. I will recover everything I grew on this farm and I will put it to productive means. And the farmers know exactly what the nutrient value is of the crop. They know exactly mm -hmm. what it would be if they would turn that crop back in. They know exactly how it will improve their soil, if you will. Okay. They, uh, if you look at uh, United States farmers, most of them are, have some sort of livestock operation. Doesn't mean they're big cattle ranchers, but they may have some sort of livestock or they may have a friend that has some sort of livestock. So they know that on the farm, this is what it can be. Okay, so so it's it's very low. But and then the, the food service distributors is uh, very and the processors are is very low. Right. You know, uh, because they're bringing this stuff in and they have the ability, the processors have the ability to convert this into food very, very rapidly. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. now, uh, but we still have a whole bunch of waste in there. And I just got through telling you that I don't think there's a whole, a whole bunch at the farms, but there is at the farms. And let me actually, let me peel that onion a little bit more. Perfect. Go if for you it. Look at the, if you look at the fall storage crops, these would be the potato guys in the north, in the north, you know, Colorado and north, uh, the onion guys, everything, the apple guys, everything, Michigan, for example, apple, everything could go into storage. New York cabbage, everything could go into storage, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But what goes into storage has got to come out of storage, right? And if there's not a market for that storage, then 
then you know that's a, a good source of donated food for the hunger fighting charity world. But now let's talk about cabbage in the south or watermelons in the south. And storage is not an option for those items. Mm-hmm. And so, and it could be that it's better that the farmer may say, shoot, I'm not going to harvest these watermelons. I'm just going to leave them and I'm going to disc them in or plow them in or plow them in and then disc them in. You know what I mean? However they're going to do, where this is wholesome food and this would be terrific. But there might not be an operation there that's ready to rescue that, right? So now we're getting back to FarmLink. So now if a farmer calls us and says, hey, I've got this produce in the field, would you folks like to come out here and see if you can rescue it? Now, we're not talking about gleaning. And there's a number of wonderful gleaning operations in the United States that are saving this. We're talking about uh, executing commercial level harvest. And we just got through rescuing uh, a little over 1.2 million pounds of cabbage in South Texas that for cosmetic reasons would not have gone into the traditional marketplace but it was wonderfully wholesome food for us and we rescued it and we just rescued some lemons in an orchard in California and we're looking to rescue more and we will not necessarily lemons, but it could be other tree fruit and whatnot. And so that's something that's a little bit out of the ordinary in the hunger fighting charity world. But to go back to your question, why do we have all this waste? The North American farmer is the most advanced farmer this world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. We just simply produce more then this country can consume. And the and and once the consumer says, I'm full, then the options are once the paying consumer says, I'm full, I can take no more, then the options are, okay, what do we need to do? And so that's where the hunger fighting charity world is a great uh, outlet for that produce. I, I hope that helped. That does. Yeah, that's amazing just to kind of see the steps that's going on here. And I mean, beforehand, like, it's weird that this, you know, I feel like COVID, the whole pandemic really, you know, dialed this up to 11. And um, I mean, out of a means of means of necessity, like something needed to give where, you know, we found a better distribution model to, um, to charities, to donation centers, and Farmlink kind of swooped in there. And it seems like has been doing an amazing job. So, like, what all are you guys doing to get the word out to kind of not only not only tell farmers that like this is a really good viable option, but also to to charity centers that might want to participate in something like this? Yes, excellent. Okay, so we advocate, and we advocate just the good old fashioned way. Mm-hmm. You know, we send emails. We let's talk about the farmers. We send. We call. Uh, last week we called. We made 367 advocacy calls to farmers. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and and uh, uh, and so FarmLink is blessed to have these uh, college and university students that that come in each semester. They're crazy passionate about fighting hunger and healing this planet, mm-hmm. and they they volunteer and they make 20 to 50 calls a week, and they they spread the word, and that's really how FarmLink got started. Um, okay, now and let's go back to the pandemic though, real quick. Your ad, Trevor, the food waste problem has been there. Uh, the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere have been there for a long time, right? And getting right. worse each year. And what the pandemic did was it threw a spotlight on it mm-hmm. because 100%. now all of a sudden we had we had 
uh, multiple lines of cars. We look like the most favorite ride at your local amusement park, right? <laughs> where, the, where, the, where the lines were forever, but the sad news is the folks were there for food, mm. right? And so, it, and then we had all of this food being wasted, truly at this point in time, being wasted on the farms and the farmlink, the young people at farmlink just jumped in. And I've, I've gone to farmers groups and I've given uh, presentations and, and, uh, and I've said to my farmer friends, you know, it's not, it's not quite like they charged hell with a bucket of water, but mm -hmm. it wasn't that far off. Right. And, that makes you, sense. You know, where where our country was sending, uh, you know, the brightest and most talented young people we had at these colleges and universities home. You know, this small little group of folks said, you know what, we're going to get in this fight. And uh, and so I give them all the credit in the world for just being incredibly brave um, and just saying, you know, we want to make a difference. And it has evolved. Are, are a lot there. of their backgrounds kind of agriculture based or no? Did a lot of them come from like non-farming backgrounds? Yes. The, the second question. Most of them came from non-farming okay. backgrounds. We do have, but we do have some fellows that are from, you know, these uh, wonderful farming uh, families and, mm -hmm. um, and they're, and they're terrific advocates, but, the, but, but the, those from non-farming families are terrific advocates because they're just passionate about fighting hunger, you know, helping you know, truly helping farmers, you know, saving families. And what's interesting about agriculture is that um, we would all benefit <laughs> from a few less climate uh, disasters, right? I don't, I don't care if it's the heat in the Southwest or wherever it may be right now, all across this country, or the floods, uh, you know, those floods in California are, are devastating. The floods and uh, we've got floods going on, um, right now in Vermont, right? That are, that are devastating. And I think it's Vermont. Yes. Correct. Me I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, you know, these are, these are just, you know, the hurricanes in Florida are getting more and more severe every year. Um, you, you know, um, and, and so uh, the, the passion comes through. And, uh, and then speaking of me, just so you know, I went to, uh, I came over to FarmLink last October. I okay. called uh, I called the founders of FarmLink and I said, "Hey, I, I think uh, I, I just want to take this real quick detour uh, because uh, you know I'm um, uh, you know all of this groundwork uh, and all of these great achievements uh, at FarmLink have been done since day one, and uh, you know the brilliant and I, and I uh, the brilliance of what these young people." were thinking through and what they were set up was from day one. Mm -hmm. And I saw this, uh, I watched them over the years and we would collaborate together, the charity I was the general manager of, and, and, and they're a lot of fun and they're very engaging and uh, very smart. And so I called them in October and, uh, or September, if you will. And I said, Hey, um, I'd like to come work for you. I think, I think y'all are going to heal this planet and fight hunger with your model. And uh, they were like, uh, okay, Mike, uh, come on over. So I, I've only been here since October. Uh, so uh, I, I just wanted to, to, to make sure uh, when you, um, uh, th th that that's in there. Okay, but, um, okay, would you do me a favor, Trevor, and just repeat that question? <laughs> I got off on that <laughs> tangent. 
Oh, no, 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 no. That was perfect. And I mean, well, first off, I mean, it seems like you're already doing so much and you haven't been there like extremely long because it seems like you're, you know, you're in a very perfect position where you, I, I think that's a great example. Like you saw something great that a company is doing and you're like, you know what? I want to be a part of it. I'm going to reach out. And it just seemed to be like, you know, the stars aligned and they're like, absolutely. Let's have Mike come on and do his thing. So it seems like it's worked out perfectly for you. I guess the the answer is always no until you ask out and you ask, you know, you reach out to a prospective employee or a prospective employer and then boom, you got a job there. So that's awesome. You kind of took that step. Yes. And I, um, okay. So now uh, for all of the, for all of the, uh, here's what we've got in the hunger fighting charity world. We're in a rut. Mm. Collectively as a hunger fighting charity world, we're in a rut. The, the food insecurity on a national basis before the pandemic was around 12%. And the food insecurity on a national basis now is around 12%. And we had a pandemic in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. And all of these wonderful hunger fighters at these charities are all trying to figure out how do we get out of this, you know, 10% to 12% food insecurity rut. And when we look at it on an average, we're really minimizing how bad it is in some communities, right? Okay. Because there's some communities, it's awful. Now, Feeding America does a wonderful job with Map the Meal Gap of showing all of us just how awful it is in some of these communities. And so, you know, we need new, passionate people to this, to this challenge to look at it differently and to say, what if this? What if that? And, you know, sometimes if we're just focused on day-to-day -day meeting what we're doing and being an incredible, valuable member of the community, we may not have the bandwidth to address the last 10 to 12%, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I first met these passionate uh, 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 young people at FarmLink, I was just like, hooray, welcome to the fight. We need everybody. Uh, you know, because we're going to, I just knew, I'm like, you know, we're going to get to this pandemic. We've seen tough times before and we're going to see them again. And you have to remember, I'm an ag kid. So what I do is I advocate to farmers and it's easy for me to do because, you know, I am from a farming and ranching family down here in Texas. I was in the Northwest potato business for 40 years. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and so, uh, you know, I kind of laugh and I kind of joke, but, you know, we, uh, we being farmers and ranchers, we all talk in shorthand. We're all one degree of separation from each other. And we all want to do business with folks that have got, have got empathy for what we're doing. Right. And mm -hmm. so, you know, um, and, uh, and so that, that, that's what we do. And we all, all want to do business with folks that are easy to do business with. Right. And, and can be, uh, can appreciate the fact that, you know, I tell all farmers, I hope the market today is higher than yesterday. And I hope your market tomorrow is higher than today. And I mm -hmm. hope you sell every pound of produce you grow mm -hmm. for what I hope you achieve every financial goal you have set out for yourself because our entire model runs on donations. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we don't want to be contacting you <laughs> You know, saying um, this might be your last apple. Can you afford to give it to us? Mm -hmm. We want you to say, I had a great year in peaches and I want to give something back. And it's just the same when we're reaching out to financial donors. 
everybody would be sick if, if somebody called and we ever got a note with a donation and it said, this is my last $5. I want to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that would be the worst financial donation anybody could ever get. Right. <laughs> we want somebody to say, uh, we're doing great. We've never had a little bit more. I want to give back to my community. I think your charity is very efficient. I like what your charity is doing to fight hunger and heal this planet. I'm going to entrust you with this donation, whether it be financial or food. That's what we want. Right. And then and then we tell everybody, we say, look, we're going to start with your local uh, food bank. We're not going to haul this stuff across the country. We're going to call them and they're going to say, you know what? That's great. I love them. That's what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. I love that food bank. And they're like, yeah, but you guys answer the phone and you're easy to do. And, you know, I've got operations in Pennsylvania and I've got operations in California and I've got operations in Arizona. And that's what that's what it's becoming. And so you're a one stop shop for me. You can put together all my financial uh, donations. You can write my tax letters. I get one tax letter at the end of the year. You will tell me what my green, what my impact, my positive impact on the climate is because I'm working on my sustainability at the same time. And you can address all of that for me. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I help uh, my uh, young minded and incredibly bright teammates uh, do. And then I I help make this translation. So it's like, you know, when we're talking to potato farmers, we need to say, okay, for a ton of potatoes, this is how many tons of greenhouse gases we're avoiding. Ah, but when Mm. we're talking to an apple grower, so you know why we all talk in terms of 38 pound cartons? No, why? Because that's what a bushel of apples weighs. (laughs) So we need to make that translation. And when we're talking to the apple farmer, the potato grower, the onion grower or shipper, say these these are the seasonalities. This is what they're going through. You know, let's be empathetic to this. And these young people are as passionate and and, uh, compassionate as can be. So they're crazy empathetic. I just help them, you know, I just help the team Tune the message a little bit. Be sensitive to this. This is what's going on. When we call a farmer in this drought restricted, uh, this heavily, this severely drought impacted area, be sensitive to the fact that this farmer is also growing these other crops. Mm-hmm. These are his rotate his or hers rotational crops, and just be sensitive to that. This is what's going on with them. This is what's going on with their increases in packaging cost. This is, and they're like, ah, ah, okay. So that's what I help. That's what I hope I help my teammates do. Oh, hundred percent. I, I mean, that's a really good perspective to give them. Um, you know, like they might not understand, you know, what crop rotation is, or that there might be a severe drought or severe weather that's impacting them. And, um, you know, th- that's going to have a, a huge impact on those farms on and also like the quality of the fruit, the quality of the produce that you might be getting. So that's, that's really that's amazing that you can really kind of communicate. You can communicate that between the team and also the farmer. Right. And that's what we do. And so, again, and it's the same sort of thing. It's like, OK, so we can have these conversations because, again, we want to maximize what we call the shelf life puzzle. So it's like, what is it? What is the conditional issue? And then, you know, there may be a conditional issue. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you know, all of the produce, mostly speaking, or not, if not all the produce that's shipped in this country uh, for any of the traditional markets has been graded at uh, shipping point, uh, either U.S. number one or U.S. number two or, or some level of that uh, marketing standard. 
which gives us all an appreciation for what the condition and the appearance of that crop will be, that produce will be. And when it arrives, it may not be that way for whatever reason, far beyond the grower and the shipper or the receiver. It's just mm -hmm. life, right? And uh, it's just a produce life. And so that shipper could call. And, and you know, you, I always laugh. That's not very funny, though. But we always laugh. It's like, why does not anybody ever get a rejected load at Tuesday at 1.30? Right? We can fall. We can solve that load. No problem. <laughs> but, you know, we're, but it's, uh, we were wrestling with a load in Florida at 4 o'clock uh, Florida time. And, uh, and, we, and we got it. We got it moved off and it. Uh, we got a note back from the food bank Saturday afternoon that said, wow, this stuff is perfect. We're going to get it all out on Monday and away we go. And that's what we do. You know, so when we look at the inspection reports, we know what the condition is. We know where it should go. We know how to describe it to the hunger fighting charity so that, you know, that we're not sending them something that they can't handle. And so a lot of these uh, hunger fighting charities, this would include food banks. When I say that, they appreciate us. And they're like, hey, when the FarmLink team calls me, I'm not going to get, I'm going to get an honest assessment mm -hmm. of what this produce is. They're going to let me know that it's in my community. And if they tell me that it'll work for me, it'll work for me. And if they tell me that it won't, then it'll be like, oh, or if they say, you know, it'll work for you, but this is how you need to handle it. They know that also. So that's that's amazing. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a testament that um, FarmLink and even the farmers that are participating with you guys aren't looking to just get rid of the produce to j just, you know, dump it somewhere else, but genuinely trying to help out communities as close as possible to those farms. I mean, that way, you know, it's a win win for everybody. Like the farmer gets that produce taken off their farm. They also get to help out a community um, and community members that need it can get that food. Um, donated to them. So, that's, I mean, I really see this as like a win-win. That's amazing. Yes, exactly. And the farmers know that too. I can, I can talk to anybody, Trevor. Um, and, 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 you know, we kind of have these, <laughs> we kind of have these one or two or three phrases or sentences that we may say to each other. We can see each other's faces and eyes and reactions, body language, and we know if they're mm -hmm. in this business or not. Mm -hmm. We know immediately, right? And, um, and 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 so then again, it's like, okay, I can trust this outfit uh, with my, you know, think about what they're trusting trusting us with, right? They're trusting us first and foremost with their reputation. They're mm -hmm. trusting us with their checkbook, right? They know that we're going to get the donations for sure it gets back to them. They're trusting us that where we tell them this produce is going, it's going there. That if we tell them it's going to a hunger fighting charity, they're not going to see it getting sold in some local market, right? They know it's going to a hunger fighting charity. They so you know we we everybody just needs to know that, and they need to know that very quickly. I want to go back to something we were talking about earlier about yeah. the passion of the of the mm -hmm. farm linkers. Uh, yes, most of them are from non farming uh, uh, backgrounds. Uh, but they do amazing things, Trevor. So we have this one uh, university student, and she is on, uh, she's a fellow, and she's one of our leads, and she is okay. on the food team. So the food team are responsible for contacting those that are in the food pipeline, right? Where those that are on the sustainability team are responsible for doing research, 
right? And mm-hmm. reading documents and making sure that we understand the latest of what's going on with uh, greenhouse gases and this, that, and the other thing. Okay. Okay. And she is a, a woofer. I'd never heard of what a woofer was in my life, but she is so <laughs> passionate about uh, learning about agriculture, you know, uh, fighting hunger, uh, you know, that she, a woofer is an individual that works at a farm for room and board. So, so she is a, a university student at a terrific university in the Eastern U.S., and she is working at this uh, farm. They're raising all these different crops and vegetables. And uh, she's doing so for room and board. And she's just so, and she does not have a farming background. But since she's become a fellow at FarmLink, and she's been a fellow now for a couple of years. Can you believe that? A couple of years. Oh, wow. That's cool. uh, Okay. uh, While she's going to a university, a tough university, I'm sure. She's making wonderful grades, I'm sure, because she's as smart as she can be. Uh, I'll tell you her first name. Her first name is Gabby. And uh, that she's gotten involved now in production agriculture uh, with a farm in the eastern seaboard. uh, and, and, And that that term is called woofing. Have you ever heard that before? I've never heard that before. But, I haven't that, either, no. That's the passion of this uh, terrific, talented uh, woman, uh, university-age woman. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, so, so that's the passion that these folks have. So it's infectious. You know, when you get around them, you're like, yes. You know, okay, so now get to, <laughs> getting the word out, right? So we do all yeah. of this, this telemarketing, if you will, right? Well, of all things, this this the farmling is having a screening at the U.S. Ca- at the United States Capitol uh, Visitors Auditorium on July 26th. Oh, and cool! A number of electric representatives and some of these uh, key food line, uh, food pipeline folks, and uh, mentors that this uh, that this young bunch has assembled uh, are going to be there for that screening. So that's how they get it out. Uh, they so farmling has a movie. And uh, and so uh, that movie is shown around in living rooms. All wherever somebody has a living room and can do a screening, a farm linker will show up. The other thing is, since FarmLink has been uh, founded, there have been over six hundred of these uh, farm linkers, which are these university-aged folks um, uh, that are attending these uh, great universities, have graduated have gone on to work in uh, you know, uh, high finance, uh, media, like uh, like People Magazine, uh, food companies, other charities, and um, and and uh, folks, uh, and they're like, uh, hey, I was a farm linker. And so what's interesting is that some of the financial donors who are these food companies, I think have recognized that there is this incredible brand loyalty that's getting uh, baked in, if you will, with all of these young farm linkers going to these uh, colleges and universities uh, around the United States, uh, very high achievers. And, and uh, you know, a number of these uh, financial donors just want also want to support uh, charities that uh, uh, have all, uh, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, talented Gen Zers in there trying to make a difference uh, in their communities. 
That's awesome. So it's not only obviously great for the communities and the farmers, but it's also extremely beneficial, it seems like, for the people working with you guys that are, you know, they 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 want to do something, they want to contribute to something bigger than themselves. And so they join FarmLink, they're saving so much produce, they're saving, you know, so so many greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, come to think of it, and just so much more stuff they're being involved in. So that's awesome that they can really, really benefit from this too. Yes, exactly. Right. So, you know, we used to have, and, and when I was in Idaho with Feeding America, mm-hmm. and I would go meet with some of uh, these wonderful potato donors that are in Idaho, and we would talk and I would say, don't take it out of your label. Let's just, it's in your five pound bag. It's in your 10 pound bag. Let's hand it out just like that and say, you know, the, the, the folks that we're serving right now, um, you know, we hope and pray and we're working towards getting everybody back up on their feet mm-hmm. and they're good. And they're going to, and, and those that we're serving now are going to remember that label and they're going to say to themselves when they're back up on their feet, cause we know they're, we're, we're, we're going to get them back up on their feet, right? You know? They're going to be like, you know what? I remember this label. This group helped me when I was down and out mm-hmm. and I can now afford to buy their produce. And I'm, and that's the label I'm going to pick. And, uh, you know, um, and so, you know, we have that. Yeah. That's a great example of like brand ownership that really goes, you know, super deep and has a lot more to it than you might think, you know. I want to ask this on the consumer side. Like I know food waste is huge, but what are, what's something that consumers can do at home to help reduce food waste? I mean, do you have any advice on that? Okay. This is going to sound crazy. But you know what? <laughs> it's truly, it's like uh, eat whatever you buy, right? Eat mm-hmm. it. <laughs> right? You know, eat it and happily go back and get more. Right. And uh, you know, the strange thing is the stuff that spoils the fastest is probably the best for you. You know, oh, 100%. And, uh, yeah. Fresh produce, you know? milk. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's uh, uh, and then if you can't eat it for whatever reason, um, you know, uh, try to try to do everything you can to avoid it going into a landfill. You know, I always mm-hmm. smile. It's like if you eat apples and you eat pears and you eat potatoes and you drink coffee, you should be doing your own composting. Mm-hmm. You know, you should just have a, a little home based composter and you should be doing it. Uh, because those are those are some great ingredients to go into <laughs> uh, into your composting, right? But but truly, I would I would just I would just say that, and uh, is is just eat it. And if you think it's going to spoil, but you think there's uh, one or two or three days of shelf life left, uh, you know, connect with your local pantries. Uh, connect, you know, a, a pantry could be obviously exactly what it is, a pantry, but it can also be a a, a, a kitchen that prepares meals for free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like connect with them and, uh, you know, see what you can do. And, you know, there's been some great work done by uh, folks in the hunger fighting charity world and the capitalist world that have these prepared meals left at their establishment at the end of the day, and they've all learned how to reach out and get those meals to go um, in a sustainable manner to, to, to those that could really use that nourishment. And, and you know, so I kind of like, you know, get, get, get involved that way. You know, don't, 
don't just say, oh, I can't get involved. And it's really easy to throw something away and, and, you know, never worry about it again. Right. Yeah. But it's like, you know, try to do everything you can to make sure that certain items don't go into your garbage. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. And, you know, one thing that I've learned a lot, even just watching, you know, YouTube videos and stuff, I've learned about blanching vegetables because, you know, you can't yeah. freeze them a lot. But that's so simple. Like if you've got some Brussels sprouts, but you're not going to eat them, you can blanch them. You literally just cook them in boiling water for a couple minutes and then you put them in ice water, let them freeze or, or let them cool off and then you yeah. put them in the freezer. And it's so simple yeah. and it stays fresh for so, so long. Excellent. That's a yes. That's a great. That's a great point, Trevor. It's just like find alternative ways mm -hmm. to save that food, right? Just, 100%. just do it, right? And, and 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 what you're saying there is a great example of the blanch, and then just kind of in like do a Ziploc bag or something, mm -hmm. because then you're not getting involved with any sort of food preparation that could potentially be dangerous in any way. And yeah, and you could also, also very do, true. You could, <laughs> you could you could also you could say, hey, I'm gonna. I've got this thing of Brussels sprouts here. I could turn it into three, uh, you know, I've got uh, 16 ounces. Let's just make it real. So let's make it 15 ounces cowboy math and just say, hey, I could do three five ounce portions and that could be three three servings for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. that's not bad. That, that's, that's very doable, extremely doable. Uh, well, Mike, this has been super fun chatting with you, chatting about FarmLink. I mean, I can tell you you have a very infectious energy, and I'm I'm glad that you're bringing that to FarmLink. But if people want to learn more, if they want to get engaged with you guys, obviously they can go to the website FarmLinkProject.org. What else can they do to kind of follow the story of FarmLink? Well, that would be the great place to start. But FarmLink, uh, and because okay, and if somebody is interested and they and that individual reaches out in that manner. Uh, somebody from the creative team or the food team will reach back out to them and say, you can follow us on Instagram. You know, I'm not good at this stuff, honestly, Trevor, but <laughs> you know, they have Facebook and Instagram and, and you know, everything that, you know, the, the, you know, the new world follows, right? All the social medias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And so uh, very engaged in that regard. And then for you, if you ever get to Texas and you want to see a working cattle ranch and you want to go meet some of these donors that we work with i hope you will give me a call and we'll do both yeah that would be super fun um yeah hopefully going to texas sometime soon my wife and i went shoot we went five years ago and we did we did waco san antonio and austin and had a blast i mean the food okay. was delicious the people were amazing it was a really good time well that's good so the ranch that i live on and my family owns is 30 miles outside of waco oh perfect that's super close okay yeah, deal. If, yeah. If, if we're in Texas sometime soon, I will definitely hit you up and we'll have to go and visit. That would be a super fun time. And then and then around the USA, let us know where you're going to be. Uh, we very well, somebody will probably be there. There may be an event and we could do something fun that way too. So you could say, hey, this is how this group works in the field. You know, yeah. this, this is how this really works. How does it go from the farm to those we serve? Yeah, like how many events are y'all doing a week? I mean, just kind of ballpark, I well, guess. Okay, so uh, two of my teammates were in a big food show last week in Monterey. Mm -hmm. uh, myself and a teammate will be at a food show the last week of July, also in Monterey. Not a bad place to be, right? Um, and no, then, not you know, bad, yeah. And then we to go to Boston the third week of August. So so we're around. Um, 
you know, so uh, just reach out again and just like, hey, I'm going to be here or I know somebody that's going to be there and, and there'll be something going. There's always something going on, uh, you know, at uh, at Farmland, it, the, you know, the the charity, even though it's young, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. full of energy and it, and it truly it just never stops. It, it hey. just keeps going. Hey, I can tell, and that's amazing. I can't wait to follow your story and kind of the story of Farmlink and all the good things you, um, you guys are doing. But, Mike, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Best of luck, and we'll have to touch base with you soon. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, consider sharing with a friend or family member that helps us out a ton. We say it every week, organic growth helps us reach more and more people. And, of course, check out Clips over on YouTube. Check out the description for all of our cool little clips and tricks over on YouTube and, of course, at our website, thefarmtraveler.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.